0: Have your Bibles open. We're going to have a look at a couple of scriptures, okay? And um, to start with, we'll look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16. And then um, we'll go to 1 Corinthians 15. So we're going to have a bit of a journey because what we're doing tonight is we're, we're, we're doing Friday and Sunday. In one, you know, Good Friday was um, just just gone, and that was when we sell, when we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross in the Christian calendar. That's what we do. Good Friday. It's called Good Friday because of today, Easter Sunday, the resurrection. So in Hebrews chapter ten and in verse sixteen, the Lord says. Through, um, through the Holy Spirit. Actually, verse 15 says, And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices i love that because what that says to me is that it it says when sins have been forgiven there's no longer any need for sacrifice there's no longer any need to beat myself up if i sin to sacrifice something that i like because i think i deserve whatever because of sin i love that because it says this is a new covenant that God will make with his people. I don't know if you notice when when I just read that, how many times you see the word I will? I will. Who's the I who's the I there? God. He's the way maker. He is the one who makes a way. See, religion, now I like the word religion. I think um, I used it the other day actually, talking to somebody, because they were talking about Good Friday and fish. And I said, oh, are you religious? And they said, oh, no, if I went to church on Easter, that'd make me a hypocrite because I don't go any other day. But the idea of religion around the world is that we do something to please the divine. But religion wasn't what was lost in the Garden of Eden. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, religion wasn't lost. What was lost is or was relationship. Two relationships. A vertical relationship between people and God and also between people and people. Adam and Eve had to sow fig leaves to get and cover themselves in front of each other because they were they they recognized their shame before each other. So the relationship between Adam and Eve was broken, and the relationship between people and God was broken. Being right with God is always about relationship, not about religion. And it's always about doing, but not you and me doing. It's about God doing. No longer any sacrifice for sin, where our sins and lawless acts are forgotten by God. It's beautiful because one of the things Jesus said on the cross was a, you've heard me speak about this. In fact, we have an accountant with us. He used an accountant phrase and a, a, a word To telestahi, and it means paid in full. It means it is finished. And when Jesus said it is finished, he was was saying it is finished to a few things. He was saying it is finished to all of the prophecies about Jesus leading up to from from his birth to his life to the way he was going to die to the, the promise of his resurrection. He had accomplished everything that needed to be done. In fact, One of the last things Jesus said was, "I thirst" on the cross. And now you know know why he said that, because he was thirsty. But also, it says in the Bible that he actually said that to fulfil what the scriptures had said—that it would thirst on the cross. And Jesus spoke out this word: "It is finished." It's one word in Greek, three words in English: "It is finished." Debt of sin paid in full, prophecies about my coming and my my sacrifice finished, all done. God said he will do it and he did it, didn't he? He said, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and will write them on their minds. And we know looking back, that's the Holy Spirit. It's an inside job. No longer is pleasing God, doing stuff to make him happy with me. I used to think that. I used to go to church as a kid, and even as a new believer, I used to think if I went to church more or or did more good than bad, God would be more happy with me. But it's not how it works. Isn't that good news? Isn't it great? I mean, we talked about grace. That's actually a gift. It's a gift to us, God's grace. Nothing that we ever deserve, nothing we could ever earn or pay back. It's already been paid. He said it is finished. He did make a way. And today, oh, and, and on that day, on that Friday, after he said it is finished, he breathed his last and that heartbeat that was inside the womb of Mary in that small backwater town that began to go 33 years later started to go and it stopped on a cross. Jesus bled out. That same man that walked around and doing all that good stuff, teaching all that good teaching, raising people back to life, healing blind people, forgiving people. Here he is bleeding out on a cross. Sacrifice for sin. And it says, And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Why? Because Jesus sacrifices enough. And then three days later, we come to a tomb. And it's Easter Sunday. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. And as you're turning there, I want uh, to talk to you about my nana. <laughs> What's my nana got to do with Easter. My nana is no longer with me anymore, with us. But if you, I've tried to paint a picture of my nana, right? Have you ever seen pictures of the queen or the queen mother? Like, take about another foot and a half off of that, and that's my nana. And she used to dress like that, and she was so cute, and she had a Pommy accent, and she was so lovely. She was very good at cooking, and we'd always be around the nana's place. She had this big Queenslander home. In fact, now it's a bed and breakfast in Cooper in Brisbane. Uh, almost feel like going to stay there one night, just to be reminded of the place. But she would cook really fantastic meals and we'd all go around and eat and you would never get dessert unless what? Unless you finished everything on your mains, right? So unless you finish your dinner, there's no sweets, all right? That was one rule. But if you finished sweets, guess what happened next? Nana would notice. And she would say, there's more where that came from. Mm-hmm. So you'd get up and help yourself. There's more. She'd always say, there's more where that came from. Or if you finished a meal and she said, there's more where that came from, you say, oh, no, thanks. I'm on to sweets. But I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say that phrase before, there's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. Yeah? Have you heard it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in terms of money or, you know, giving, giving your money to the, to the teenagers, there's more where that came from. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> i never heard it. Though. Never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just thinking about this, and, and in 1 Corinthians 15 um, and, and verse 19, I'll just read it. It says, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest, Of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised. When he comes back after that the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to god the father having destroyed every ruler and authority and power for christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death you know there's two things you can be certain of in this world what are they death and taxes but maybe if you had a good chat with Rose, you might sort out the tax business. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's a possible thing. But there's no one you can talk to about the death thing, right? It's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. And sadly, you know, we remember people that have gone before us. We remember the times we have spent with them, but now they've died. They've passed away. And, you know, when it comes to death, it's, uh, yeah, it's inevitable. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, what sort of salary you earn. It doesn't matter what your name is, how famous you are, how poor you are, how old you are, how young you are, how healthy you are. Death is inevitable. And it cannot be avoided. Unless Jesus comes back today, right? (laughs) But death cannot be avoided. But it can be beaten. Death can be beaten. I know a guy who beat death. His name's Jesus. He was a man that lived 2000 years ago and he lived a perfect sinless life. Hands up anyone perfect sinless life in the room. <laughs> no. Me neither. But he did. And he lived such a perfect sinless life that he didn't have to die. He didn't he didn't have to take on that responsibility on himself. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? In other words, you, you sin, you get paid out with death. Jesus never sinned. So he didn't have to die legally. He chose to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Jesus came to conquer death. And yet we still die. I want to take you to the tomb, just like maybe to my Nana's house, (laughs) to the empty, not the empty plate, but the empty tomb and tell you there's more where that came from. You know, death isn't the end. Death isn't the final chapter. It's not the last page of your book. And and in this world, we will have trouble. But Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. So there's actually something greater for us that we're all designed for, we're all created for, that lasts far longer than any biological thing you can see with your eyes today, including yourself. We're promised two things that are also inevitable. Not death, and, not death and taxes, but the first one is resurrection. And the second one is resurrection. The first one is Jesus's and the second one is yours and mine. The scriptures tell us that um, Adam brings sin and Jesus brings life and one day he's going to bring total life to your body and my body keep your place in 1 Corinthians 15 if you can and turn with me to the end of Luke uh, sorry end of John's gospel in chapter 20 And we see here an account of the resurrection. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that because the other disciple is the guy writing about this. So mm. he stooped and looked in. And what did he see? He saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Okay, so Jesus was taken down off of the cross naked wrapped in linen, farmed up, or not quite farmed up, but cleaned up as much as possible, wrapped in linen and placed in the tomb. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, looked in and he saw the linen lying there. Now, I don't know if you can imagine, I could, I've could. i got a pretty vivid imagination of this wrapped up body and then it disappears and the linen just goes like a flat tie, you know, just falls down. That's how I imagine it. I don't know. But then it says he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings there, lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. This cloth that was wrapped around Jesus' head was folded. Who folded it? You know, it was folded. It was wrapped around his head and it's folded. Who folded it? Jesus folded it. See, Peter and John had gone into this empty tomb expecting to see something, evidence or something, but all they could see was linen and a folded head covering. Now, The Jewish tradition for a meal would be that if you were going to, say, if we're all Jews, we had a meal at my place. Uh, If you had uh, finished your meal, you didn't want to eat any more, you would wrap, fold up your napkin and you'd stick it on the plate and you'd say, I don't want to eat this meal anymore. Uh, Also, Another tradition is if you fold it another certain way, it means I've just left the table to go to do some business, whatever, but I'm coming back. So there's two possible reasons in Jewish culture for a folded napkin. Now, John doesn't tell us how it's folded, but I wonder if Jesus folded it a certain way, that John recognised that maybe Jesus was meaning both things. One meaning, I'm, I've am i gone to do some business and I'm coming back. In other words, one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make you and I, just like him, resurrected. But the other meaning is, I've had enough of this food and I'm not going to eat any more. In other words, I've tasted death, and I'm no longer going to taste death anymore. And I think that's really beautiful if that's the case because what Jesus does is he doesn't show up there inside the tomb and say, "Hey guys, look, did you notice that?" He left it up to them to find out. He left because he was finished with the tomb. And I think what he's done is he said to to the disciples, in fact, for 40 days after his resurrection, he he taught, taught about the kingdom of God with them. But today, as we look at the empty tomb of Christ, just like, I guess, my nana would look at my empty plate as a child. I wonder if he's saying... We're saying to you and me tonight, there's more where that came from. There's more coming where that came from. But you just have to wait. You know, if Jesus did conquer death, why do we still have death? If Jesus did pay for sin and do away with sin, why do we still have sin? You see, we live in this, in this, in this realm between the cross and the grave in our physical bodies. But we have this promise that one day there's going to be more where that came from now not death we don't have to face death anymore because he's tasted that already he's conquered that but that resurrected life that resurrected life that Jesus has is something that we can look forward to you and I The Bible also says that in, in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. He is the first fruit, in other words, of a great harvest of all who have died. A great harvest. And he's just the first one. So he's the only human being right now totally sin-free, resurrected in a body. And one day he's going to come back and you and I are going to be resurrected. Whether we like it or not, whether we're awake or not, we are going to be resurrected. And the Bible tells us that he's going to come back as a shepherd separating sheep and goats. And some are going to go to eternal punishment And some are going to go to eternal life. And that's the truth. Every single person will be resurrected bodily and then sorted like sheep and goats and have an eternal destination bodily. What you and I need to do, I think, is be a little bit like Gladys Emily Lever, my nana. And get out there and tell people, hey, you know what, Easter, it's about an empty tomb. It's about how one guy, 2,000 years ago, beat death. Do you want to beat death? Well, there's more where that came from. Have some of what Jesus is offering. You know, he offers you eternal life. That's a good message of Easter, that what Jesus Christ has done is not just for him to be resurrected, but for you and I to be resurrected. It says that he's the firstborn. Firstborn. Of, uh, from the dead. The firstborn from the dead. That he was, he died, but that he came back to life forever. You and I, we're going to die. I don't know when, hopefully not right now, but one day we'll come back to life. Where we go and where everyone goes after that depends on what we say about who Jesus is and what we've done with him. And it's not about what we do to please God. It's about what he's done already for us. And the Bible is very clear on what we need to do. To receive that. And that's just to believe. To believe. To to turn away from what we know is wrong and to believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and my sin. He died to sin once for all. For all people. One time. So I don't know if anyone's um, looking forward to that day or not. I am. I'm really looking forward to that day. I've no idea when it's going to be. But one thing I am reminded of as I shared this, as I share this and as I've been thinking about this this last week is that we all have a responsibility as believers. Because you know we know who Jesus is. We have our sins forgiven. We've crossed the line. We've received that amazing grace. But what we should be I have an immense Responsibility and so do you. An assignment, if you want, if you like, to share that wonderful news with the world around us, to live it out in our lives, and to share about it too with our words and the way we, we treat other people. But Easter, Sunday, happy Easter again. It's about an empty tomb. He has eaten that meal, and the plate is empty. But there's more where that came from for you guys and me. Let's pray. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the price you paid, the debt that was paid, sacrifice that was made, so that we could be in relationship with you. Again, not based upon our works, but upon your works, upon your promise. And thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit upon each one who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we thank you, Lord, that there's that promise, that hope of eternal life, of a new body, a resurrected body in a place. Where there's no cancer, where there's no brain tumors, where there's no tiredness, where there's no tears, no divorce, no pain and suffering, no war, no homelessness, no death. We thank you, Jesus, that you overcame death for us and that one day we will too. Not because of what we do, but because of what you have done for us. And we're eternally thankful. We praise you, Lord. We pray that our lives would be an offering for you this week, that people would see that there is hope for them, that there's more where that came from. They can just get up and help themselves to your goodness and your forgiveness and your grace. Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors for you this week. In Jesus' name.